Hello, everybody, and welcome back to You Can't Win. This is Tom here, and I'm joined by Don as usual. Uh, today, we're going to be doing a little bit of like a state of the podcast type of thing, a little bit of discussion about where we want to take this and what our ideas are for the future. We also need to uh, sort of address something about the schedule of uh, how we're releasing episodes. That's going to be different for at least the very short term, maybe like a month or so. Uh, Yeah, maybe Don, do you want to explain what's going on with that? Okay, so we already talked a little bit about this on the premium if you subscribe. And uh, so the basic idea is that um, I've been getting a lot of like headaches and stuff and just uh, not really being able to record. We've had to cancel all sorts of times. We just had to sort of take a step back and, you know, see what we were doing in terms of the more long term. And, and uh, uh, you know, for we're doing this, you know, uh, for you guys and for for fun and stuff. And like, you know, we don't it's it, it, it's silly to kind of to kind of go uh you know, it, it, you wouldn't want to listen to it if I'm just sitting here with a migraine or something like that kind of thing. So there's no point in us uh, stretching it like that. But like, uh, you should hear the things he says when he's got a migraine. <laughs> no, 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 not <laughs> arable at all. Sure. Um, and uh, so I've got a doctor's appointment in a few weeks now, and hopefully they'll be able, be able to give me something or whatever, and we'll see how that goes. And so it's just day to day. It's it's hard to say like, okay, we're going to record on Tuesday night or something like that. Um, just because, uh, you know, my health is being even more spotty than usual and that kind of stuff. So, um, we're going to keep plugging away and putting out stuff, but we're going to try to, uh, big picture it instead of hit, hit specific days like we usually do unless, unless it works out like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like we've been doing this two and a half years, I think maybe a little even more than that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think we sort of figured out what we like to talk about on here uh, what makes for a show that we like and that the people that listen like, uh, to some extent, you know, there are some dissenting opinions now and then, but I think generally we got it figured <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like, and I think Don, you and I kind of talked before we start recording, I think we're both on the same page here. The weekly format is, it's, it's good in some ways, but it's also kind of limiting. Um, there are some sort of like, I've been thinking of them as like project episodes. So like, you know, we did that Epstein episode or a few of those. And then uh, we did one episode on William Dudley Pelly with the intention of doing a series that hasn't continued yet. Uh, it's been a little bit difficult to to really like swing that while maintaining this uh, more strict schedule of like every Monday, every Thursday we have an episode out. Mm-hmm. So the idea for now we're sort of like rethinking like what's the best way to use our time? What's the best way to line things up for us? So I think we both want to pursue like these different project episodes that we have. Yeah. I I really am interested in doing that kind of stuff and uh, maybe a little less of the kind of like week by week sort of thing that we do. Yeah. Uh, We still will be doing that for the Patreon episodes for sure. I think it like, that's not something I want to abandon. Yeah. So, um, weekly episodes on the Patreon will continue that we're able to kind of get one episode a week, at least, you know, that hasn't been too difficult, Sure, but it's doing two that can sometimes be problematic if we have to cancel once or twice. It sort of makes it difficult to, for everyone's schedules to line up, you know? Yeah. Like for an example, like uh, a lot of the times we'll record on Saturday night for the public episode or something like that. And uh, that might be with uh, guests that we've got lined up. 
Um, if I end up feeling sick on the Saturday night, there's not really a, a strong window. Like we can't really record on the Sunday night if we want to get it out for Monday morning, edited and all that kind of stuff. So I, it's really like there's like a small window when I have to be on and it, it's almost like insulting to the guests to have them on or something like that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like it's like to, to kind of power through it kind of thing, you know, like, so what ends up happening is that kind of blows out that week uh, for us in terms of like, we'll have to put something together on the Sunday or something and it can't be the topic we planned really. And cause we might not be able to get that guest again and all that kind of stuff. So this way, I think that uh, um, if we're kind of more looser on how the weekly public ones go, we can record on, you know, any day of the week, really, uh, then we're not doing the bonus one or whatever. And then uh, we can get it out when we can. And then, we're not like, oh, okay, well, it doesn't even matter really if we have the guest on the Sunday because we won't be able to get it out for the Monday. We just record something and then we get it out when we can. And um, that's a lot better for the quality of the show. It's just not, it's not good for the hitting the mark, but it's good for the quality of the show then to do that. So, yeah, it also lets us do a little bit more of what we want to do rather than being so constrained by like the, the limits of the time and then like if, if it's especially crunched for time because of, of you, like you know, not feeling well or, yeah. you know, sometimes I'm not able to do it too. So, um, yeah, I, I think this buys us a little bit of time to do things that we really like genuinely like have a, we've been wanting to do some of these things for a while, you know? Sure. So yeah, uh, this seems like a good opportunity to kind of like turn a negative into a positive here. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, that's probably enough on the state of the pod, in terms of mm-hmm. uh, yeah. the mechanics of it, I'm not sure how much interest there is on beyond that. But like, uh, maybe we can just, uh, you know, at, at least I can kind of like preface, you know, maybe like a, you know, foreshadow whatever, like uh, what I uh, want to work on too more um, over the next few months and stuff. In terms of like the kind of episodes that I'm interested in working on, and um, I guess part of it is that uh, so I've been lucky for. Uh, a few years now in terms of like, I, I just have like a well of things that interested me over the years and stuff and l- people that I've been lucky to talk to and stuff like that about different Marxist kind of stuff or Christian kind of stuff. And um, uh, so at some level, it's been easier uh, as, you know, as the time goes on to sort of, you know, people will give a suggestion about maybe something about like Trotskyism or something like that. I have like a basic kind of spiel on that that I can give um, after taking a few notes and just trying to think about what I'm interested in. And then beyond that, I can kind of give little critiques of like what's going on uh, today in terms of the debates that I find weird and all that kind of stuff. But there's sort of a step that has to happen where it's like, okay, the, sh- the shift, the sort of like handover from, okay, what did I learn 10 years ago or something like that? And then stuff that I'm learning now and are interested now and kind of like things I think are important. And uh, especially when it comes to Marxist sort of stuff that isn't really talked about as much as I can tell on uh, other pods and stuff like that, or like just in the general uh, thing, things that I think are interesting instead of just sort of like sniping about this or that, or like, uh, you know, just uh, criticizing this or that more kind of like a positive uh, vision of, you know, different ideological debates and stuff like that, that, based on things that I'll be reading over the next year or two. And I think part of that is also a sort of like related debates around like, you know, I've been very interested in uh, sort of like some of the business Twitter stuff, some of the stuff around financial stuff, the new economics kind of stuff that's coming out. And uh, um, 
I have a lot of opinions on that kind of stuff, but like, uh, you know, I do have certain basic things I want to work through in terms of like the economics of it. And, uh, I think that that, these are the kind of things that would make good sort of like series or sub-series kind of things, episodes that I can work on. Um, but, uh, they're impossible to do week to week in terms of like, okay, we're going to throw something together on this so that we can hit that mark or some of that. These are things that I'll have to work on and get good guests for and stuff like that. And, uh, um, I think it, that this will help, I think with that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'm not sure if you wanted to talk a bit about some of the things we were thinking about too. Sure. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I just want to say I'm pretty excited about some of the things that you uh were talking about there i think uh definitely should be cool um for my part uh i'm kind of i I've, basically what spurred this was i found a ebook app that i really like and have found it really convenient to to use like all the time uh, it's called freda f-r-e-d-a and uh it sort of just enabled me to like read a bunch of things that I've had on my like to read list for a long time and now it's just it's just really convenient. I I'm not sure exactly why this app in particular kind of like clicked for me, but it did and now I'm just like pouring through stuff that has kind of been on my list for a while. So right now I'm reading a uh, Program to Kill by Dave McGowan. It's that book about serial killers and it's sort of a a theory that uh, the whole like idea of the serial killer is to some extent manufactured or exaggerated to cover up for um, like the true nature of a lot of these killings and stuff. Uh, I'm about halfway through it now, so I, I uh, don't have the full picture yet of what he's arguing exactly, but it's definitely been interesting. And um, yeah, there's just kind of a whole pile of books like that, that I have on this list of things that I want to kind of think about and put together some sense of like a, kind of like a zoomed out picture of all of this kind of stuff, like these, uh, like the serial killer theory and like how that connects to organized crime. How does that connect to like these weird cults and occultic stuff and, um, the intelligence community and, uh, you know, various things, JFK, nine 11, all that kind of fun stuff. I don't know. It's all these things that I've never really looked at very seriously. Uh, but they all seem to kind of link together in a way that I, feel like no one has really painted a very clear picture of what is what is it all supposed to be there's a lot of like scrutinizing of official accounts and all that kind of stuff and it's like poking holes in it but when you put it all together what does that actually look like so that's something that I want to kind of get into a little bit um, there's plenty of people who know a lot more about this stuff than I and I would like to like talk to them and uh, have the moment have the moment as guests if uh if that works out and mm-hmm. kind of like organize my thoughts a little bit before just getting into it so sure that's kind of what i'm thinking about um for people who are really hankering for that second part of the dudley uh, pelly uh, series i think that that will be a part of it one of the reasons that we haven't really continued that is not just like a lack of time or or energy to like do it um but also every time I kind of sit down to think about it or, or put stuff together for it, I kind of like spin off into other things that I want to talk about. And I kind of like, uh, I'm finding it difficult to just narrow my focus on, okay, it's this one guy and his influence. Uh, as interesting as I find it, I, I want to kind of work from a broader picture of mm-hmm. the whole thing and sure. kind of put it together in a more organized way. Yeah. 
Cool. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of what I'm thinking. So hopefully you guys like the sound of that. Uh, please let us know. We're really interested in any feedback that you guys have about this, whether you think it sounds good, whether you prefer the kind of like more casual weekly stuff. Um, that's fine too. And I don't think we're trying to like give that up entirely. Like we'll still probably do little episodes where we talk about some movie we just saw or whatever, you know, but um, yeah, that's just kind of what we're thinking for the, for the podcast going forward. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it sounds good to me. I I think that, uh, I think it'll work out better. I mean, a lot of this stuff is more maybe behind the scenes kind of stuff that some listeners aren't going to notice, you know what I mean, at at the start, but like... uh, Yeah, sure. Especially this is like your first time listening. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, But like, uh, you know, we wanted to be uh, transparent about it and just kind of talk about it. So, yeah. Yeah. And like I said, get feedback. Like if if you guys have ideas... uh, if this doesn't sound good, if it does sound good, just let us know. You can send that to the Curious Cat. You can DM the Twitter account, DM us, whatever. Yeah. Um, so, and then uh, today, I guess, we're going to do a question and answer episode uh, from Discord questions. And uh, so I think that in general, the Discord questions probably work better the closer we are to uh, present day. And uh, so we're going to try to make a big dent in those Um to get, uh, you know, get us closer to, so it's not like stuff like, uh, what do you think about like Ellen being, uh, attacked by her <laughs> producer so whatever, you know, or something yeah. like that, you know, just like, yeah. uh, um, just try to get uh, a little bit closer and, uh, cause it would be good to have a situation where we can, uh, be responsive to things that are happening, uh, you know, now kind of thing. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we are currently at the end of June. It looks like with our questions. So we're sure. a few months behind. But uh, yeah, hopefully we can kind of catch up. Yeah. Um, so speaking of what, uh, should we just like jump right into it? Sure. Okay. So yeah, on to questions. Okay. So this one is from Con- Caucasian with Blonde Mop, he, him. Uh, it says, has Islam ever had a sex abuse crisis? So <laughs> fun one to start with. Uh, this isn't something that's easy to answer yes or no to because um, Islam as a whole, I don't think you can say that about, or at least it hasn't risen to the kind of notoriety of like, uh, you know, like Catholic priests or something. Sure. Which, you know, th- that doesn't mean that there's not stuff like that going on. I- I've definitely seen like news stories about things like that happening in madrasas and uh obviously you have stuff like afghanistan with the bachabazi and all that kind of thing what to whatever extent you want to attribute that to islam that's kind of a separate question but that stuff does go on in muslim countries um but for whatever reason there hasn't been this sort of like same kind of like massive giganto scandal uh on the level of like the church crisis Hmm. Yeah, not like institutionalized. I mean, in a lot of what it, that makes the Catholic scandal uh, unique is that it involved uh, institutional protection in, in in terms of like mm-hmm. moving people around and stuff like that. It wasn't. It wasn't really just uh, the abuse. The abuse in itself. It was also the uh, idea that like somehow everyone was kind of complicit in it kind of thing, I think. So that's kind of hard to, I mean, it's, it's hard to, uh, 
it's hard to replicate when you don't have the same types of institutions, I think, kind of thing. So, yeah, the, yeah. there's probably a similar level of abuse and like quantity of abuse that goes on. It's just structurally different. Mm-hmm. I would imagine like I, I am under no illusions that like Muslim countries are just, uh, you know, nothing really bad ever happens. Everything's good because everyone's Muslim or something. I, I imagine there's a lot of kind of pretty vile stuff like that going on, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that the obvious uh, point is stuff that like, well, there's obviously a lot of abuse that happens in, say, schools and uh, hospitals and stuff like that that isn't related to religion at all. But um, the difference is that like it's it's reasonable not to have the same kind of visceral reaction in the way that like uh, you might about uh, towards the institution as like an institution because there's not the rationalization and moving around and all that kind of stuff. Sure. It's more, it's more kind of like no one's going to go, oh, okay, maybe a small number of people would go. It's the problem with schools in themselves or something like that. But like, uh, it's different if you have, uh, this culture of shame around sex and all this kind of stuff and, uh, you know, bearing your soul to a priest and all this kind of stuff, you know? So, um, I, yeah, I can, I can understand it. I think, I think that, uh, um, you know, I, I could I could see how certain things could be end up similar in terms of like people could say that Islam does have certain taboos around sex or something like that. You could say that or something like that, but I, yeah, it's not it's not really the same institutionally, so it's not there's not the hypocrisy involved. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I I think like you probably if we're thinking about the protection stuff that probably occurs more under like government sort of umbrellas you know which is true in with the church too right like that's kind of a lot of that kind of works hand in hand Mm -hmm. um it's probably more centered on stuff that's like uh more like a government type of uh or like some sort of secular institutional thing rather than a religious thing necessarily although like i said it has you know there's been stuff with madrasas and things like i think i saw one in pakistan there was some of the people that were in charge of a madrasa it was uncovered that they were like you know doing all that kind of stuff sure and then there's like all these like grooming gangs was like a big uh thing in the uk i don't i i understand that that was like overblown or something by right-wing media but it's probably something to that i mean it's probably something like that going on i mean i don't know the extent of it but sure all kinds of stuff but yeah Mm mm-hmm um, anyway, let's uh, let's move on. So sure. the next one's from Sami. He says, "Should Hannibal have marched on Rome?" Uh, I I honestly don't know much about like I I don't know what to base my opinion on here. I don't I don't know enough about it. Yeah, me either. I'm not sure. Um, so I'll say yes. Yeah, marching on Rome's probably always a good thing. Might as well. Yep. Okay. Um, next one is from Born to Ready. Would you guys ever visit Iraq or Afghanistan? I don't know. I, I feel like they would be cool places to visit. They're probably on my list above other some other places, maybe. But uh, I, I don't know. There's not. I don't know. I, I I think they're probably beautiful places to visit in a lot of places. But like, uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't really know much about the culture, really. And I. I It'd be weird to, like, go there just because I know a little bit about it through, like, the Iraq War or stuff like that kind of thing, you know? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, this is that place 500 people got shot. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, cool. I'm in the Sunni Triangle or something. Yeah. yeah like. Uh, All right. Let's get some shawarma. Yeah, yeah. So, 
Um, but yeah. Yeah. I, I've always wanted to go to Afghanistan for like just touristic kind of reasons. I think the geography is really amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, lo- it looks like a really beautiful country and, um, I'm really interested in the history of Central Asia and that region. So uh, I would love to visit like all the historical sites and and that kind of stuff. Not just even particularly Afghanistan, but other countries in that area. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, I don't know if it is a good thing to do right now, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, Iraq too. Same kind of thing. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'd be interested in it, but the conditions would kind of have to line up. Yeah, with Afghanistan, I mean, I have I have had like a minor interest in like broader Central Asia kind of stuff, South Asia. Like, I mean, I went to Xinjiang, so that that kind of counts. It's sort of in the mega yeah. region or something. But like, uh, so I think it would be cool to visit some of those places, some of the stands and all that. But like, uh, um, yeah, as it as it stands, like I'm not really, I don't know, like uh, I I'm I'm finding it a big hassle and I can't really go to Chicago. So it's like, <laughs> or like, <laughs> right. like Montreal or something like that is, is too big of a mountain right now. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, all right. Next one is from whole nother. Uh, he says, is the United States a wealthy nation? Uh, f- seems to me like it's gotta be a yes on that one. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah, especially all the love. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very wealthy in, in love. No, um, I guess it is, but although, like, uh, I don't know, it, it is it is one of those countries where the extremes are pretty, you know, the high and the low are pretty, you know. Uh, yeah, the inequality is, is, yeah. is extreme, yeah. Like, if you wanted to pick, be a pick, like, like a random person in a country, uh, there's probably a lot of other countries where, like, being a random person is better off elsewhere kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Monaco uh, or something. Yeah, or, like, Denmark or something, you know, like... Uh, Vatican City, yeah. Yeah, sure. And, but, uh, you know, the actual country, I think... I, don't, I always find that, like, with... Uh, um, you know, Canada used to be sort of it, it, like it's like slightly poorer. It used to be at least slightly poorer than the United States, kind of thing. In like per ways. capita. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't know if it still is, but I, I, I'm sure it like washes out in different ways. Like it's more that the United States has a lot more like of uh, it's different things. It's like the fact that like some of Americans' income goes to health insurance and stuff like that. So that's not really it's not plugged in in the same way in Canada or different ways. You know, like. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure it's partly that, but like that has always been like a thing for me is that like it's always surprising to me how like American people that I knew that were sort of like scraping by a lot of the time, they would say, or like be- saying they were poor, were doing things that like I associate with like middle class life kind of thing, you know, like uh, always being like I've got no money whatsoever and, uh, um, I've got to like fly home for Christmas and I'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? Like flying home for Christmas. I don't know. It just like, yeah, uh, it's like, there's things that like, uh, um, you know, like flying around and, and, uh, or like, you know, being like, uh, I've got, I've, I'm, they're like, I've got so, so big student loans. I'm just basically never going to be able to pay them back. And then being like, I'm going on a vacation next week to Florida or something like that. And you're like, okay, well, like, I don't know. Like to me, I don't know. It's just, uh, 
I, I, I agree with it completely is like, that's fine. Like, I'm not like saying it's bad or anything like that. Like, I think that that's, it's just, it's surprising to me because, uh, my notions of what, uh, being completely broke are, are like different, I think, than, uh, a lot of like, uh, Americans that I've experienced now, now that's probably just a class thing in terms of like, you know, it's, it's people from certain types of backgrounds that are broke but they've got a certain type of background where, uh, you know, there's like a certain minimum and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm, I'm one of those kind of people in the sense that like, uh, you know, my parents are well off enough that like, I'm not going to like starve kind of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and also, I mean, it's just changed over time where I was more broke in the past and stuff like that. So, but uh, yeah, anyway, so that's, that's always surprised me with Americans is that like their, their understanding of what poor is sometimes, uh, um, you know, doesn't match up with mine. So, yeah. Yeah. I, that's probably true to some extent for like Americans generally, but I think it's like really, you see it really strongly on Twitter. Yeah. And perhaps left Twitter specifically even yeah. because there's yeah. sort of like an incentive to LARP as like an impoverished prole or whatever, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, that, that's one thing I, I have seen on Twitter, like people s- saying they make like three, four times as much as I do annually and then asking for like a GoFundMe to pay rent and stuff. And I'm just like, what? Yeah, yeah. 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 So that, that kind of thing has always surprised me. And just like, uh, I mean, I, I've seen it now. It's different in Canada now, I think, in terms of like I walk around certain neighborhoods and I just see all of these like luxury goods and stuff like that and just things that are just so expensive and stuff. There's a lot of that now in Canada where I didn't really feel like I at least didn't notice it in the past as much, but like, uh, um, but I feel like that in the States where like, if I'm walking around certain neighborhoods, it just feels like, you know, at certain places in Chicago, certain places in New York and certain places in, uh, Washington or whatever, it just felt like, uh, I don't know, like almost like a palace or something like that. Like, you know, like, a, <laughs> yeah. like just, you just see all of these things that you just know cost like incredible amounts of money mm-hmm. and, uh, all these expensive cars and stuff. And I don't know, it feels like Dubai or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah, I remember when I was living in Seattle and really, really broke. And just like if I was working around downtown or something, whatever it was, it just felt like the whole everything was locked out to me. Either yeah, yeah, like literally yeah. or just by the price of things. Yeah, I, I wrote like a Jackman article maybe two years ago now or something like that. It didn't end up sort of like get. I don't know if it really got across what I was. Uh, you know what I meant, but like, uh, it was about like housing costs and all that kind of stuff. And I said at the time I was like working on it, you know, the, the title that they gave it was something like we're right to be angry about rising housing costs and stuff like that, uh, which is true. And I, that's sort of like the point of the article, but it was also like, uh, a lot of what I was writing about in it was just that feeling of, it's not just the fact that like you're walking around the city and stuff like that. And it's not just the fact that you can't really afford things. It's that you see other people enjoying them too, kind of thing or something like that. And not just that you see other people enjoying them, but you know that a lot of those people are saying that they're working on the problems that you care about kind of thing or something <laughs> like that kind of thing. Like, yeah. it's like, you know, if you're and like, it's like voting, a weekday yeah. too, middle of a weekday. Sure. You know? Yeah. Shouldn't they be at work? Yeah. And like, you know, there's this, there's this whole complex of like NGOs and politicians and stuff that, you know, they'll be on TV saying things like we need to fight poverty and stuff. And it's not, it's not wrong. Like they might be actually trying to do it and all that kind of stuff, but you get this kind of feeling of eventually that it's like this, I don't know what the word is like homeostasis or something like that, where it's just like, 
it just continues on like that forever of people being able to live in these nice apartments and have all these great meals and go to the luxury stores and all this kind of stuff while they're saying we need things to get better. But it doesn't actually matter if anything actually does get better because, you know, so, and I said that feeling of just walking around and having like society sort of locked out and then being told it's for your benefit or something like that is like Mm -hmm. horrifying. So I think that's, that's my experience of a lot of American and Canadian cities. So, yeah. So that's what a health, uh, that's what a wealthy nation is all about, really. Like sure. I was thinking yeah. about this, like probably everything we think of as a wealthy nation, either today or like through history, is characterized by pretty drastic inequality, you know? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, that's that's the U.S. Um, okay, so let's move on to the next one here. This is from Honestly Tony. He says, Don, who's your favorite canon lawyer? Oh, I don't know any about this kind of stuff. No, like canon law, like uh, sort of like Catholic. There's like some strange parallel legal system in uh, the Catholic Church that is sort of it runs autonomously. And uh, it's like the way that decisions are made in the church and all that kind of stuff. It, a lot of the time, it, I mean, my perception of it is a lot of the time it's very flexible in terms of it depends on what the Pope thinks or like what bishops think and stuff like that. Like uh, it doesn't seem to be sort of inflexible moral law uh, that is easily, I mean, it's impossible to get around or something like that. A lot of it seems like very situational. So I'm not really sure, but like, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that that stuff would be interesting to learn about eventually. Um uh, right now, I, I know almost nothing about it, though. So, yeah. So, is, are these like laws that govern the, 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 uh, like the papacy and the whole, like the church itself, or are these somewhat similar to like Sharia in that they apply to all people of the faith? In general, uh, it's talking about uh, um, the institutional architecture of the church, like okay, you know, the rights of. Uh, priests against bishops, the rights of, I mean, I, I don't, I, it wouldn't be like put in rights terms, I don't think, but like, it's like that kind of thing. Like, it's like, I get you. Yeah. It's like the, I, I, it does include, I think like laity in terms of like the, you know, like they're, they're ultimately governed by that in terms of like their relationship to the church, I guess in general, but like, it's more about, uh, you know, disputes within the church kind of thing as a thing. And, and in some countries and in general, uh, the government's very deferential to it, mm-hmm. um, as you can imagine. And, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, and there's always debates about that kind of stuff, I guess, like about how, like updating it, I guess, and all that kind of stuff. I don't really know anything about that, so, you know. Sure. Yeah, when I read this and I kind of like, I, I understand it's not that type of canon, but it did make me think of like sure. the gun yeah, canon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It made me think of like the conquistadors. They okay. would do this. Do you know what I'm about no. to talk about this story? No. Okay, so what they would do is if they, uh, you know, they were trying to conquer what they called New Spain, right? Uh, so they would have like this indigenous village of non-Christians and they would set up their cannon, like artillery basically, and from that position, which would be like miles away from, maybe not miles, but it would be a, a, a long enough distance that like nobody in the village would hear this or see any of this. Uh, someone would read from this like scroll uh, in Latin, 
was not in their native language, nothing they would be able to understand, but it's basically like an ultimatum that they need to convert to Christianity and accept the sovereignty of the Spanish monarchs. And that if they didn't, that they are, you know, then it's war, right? So they just have the cannons, they're lined up and they read this thing and they like wait for a minute. Oh, I guess, I guess uh, they don't want to accept. All right. Yeah. Shoot the cannons. That's funny. So yeah, that's my favorite like, canon law. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just uh, totally uh, cover your ass kind of legality kind of stuff. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. To the point of like, what, wh- who are you fooling? Like, what do you, what do you yeah. think you're doing? <laughs> but, there must yeah. be some, you know, some rule or something in the thing that they can't be aggressive or I don't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm sure there's something like that. But at a certain point, it's like you, you probably don't even need to do this, guys. You can just tell people you're doing it if it really matters. But sure. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, which maybe they did that, but that's yeah. that's the story. Um, okay. So uh, we'll do the next question here. This is from Born to Ready. How do you guys feel about the socialist mayor who was elected in Buffalo, New York? So this is a, you can tell this is an old question because she lost. Um, <laughs> Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, India. Well, Walton, she sucks. Obviously, she lost. <laughs> yeah, um, this is actually. Uh, I guess some uh, socialists are upset about this, but like, she won the Democratic primary uh, against uh, the incumbent mayor, I guess, and uh, India Walton, and she, uh, she, and so people were kind of celebrating, being like, "Okay, she won the Democratic primary. It's Buffalo. She'll she'll win," kind of thing. So. She'll, like, remake the city in the image of socialism or whatever kind of stuff, you know, whatever. And uh, that was kind of like a big win for them. Uh, So what happened is the incumbent mayor uh, ran a write-in campaign and and basically got a judge to put them on the ballot kind of thing. Like, the judge, uh, there was, like, a law or something like that, you know, in, in their election law, they had, like, certain deadlines and stuff, so... They had they had broken broken the deadline because they lost the primary or whatever, right? So um, the judge changed it so that he could run, and he won in the uh, general election. Like he won the write-in or whatever against thing, which I can kind of understand people being like, "Oh, you know, that's kind of unfair because that's the ru- the rules of the rules." If if it went the other way, they would never allow that kind of thing or whatever, right? That in general kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's hard to it's hard to kind of get mad at the fact that like the person people wanted one kind of thing or something like that. You know what I mean? It's like, (laughs) you can kind of, you kind of, if it did happen the other way around, um, I'm not sure that, you know, people wouldn't be complaining about that. It was unfair or something like that. You know, they'd be like, well, that's democracy. You either win or you don't kind of thing. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know, but uh, it, it was sort of like a thing of like, okay, we're taking on this machine. We're like gonna have a mayor that's fighting for working class people in Buffalo that, you know, they could use that and uh, then they, they face planted in the election. So, um, yeah, so uh, I don't know. That that seems to be the big thing now in terms of the fact that Bernie lost. There's like a pivot towards local um, people being like, OK, we need to, you know, the problem with Bernie is that he was sort of like a relic of this old system where he just he was like, a, you know, just a unique individual where he powered on for decades when. No one cared kind of thing, right? So mm-hmm. uh, that was helpful to have him there to be able to run campaigns for president and stuff. Um, but people are saying, well, 
we don't have like a deep bench. We don't have all these people that we can draw on across the country. We need to start winning all these like state seats and all this kind of stuff to actually make any sort of changes. We have to grind away at it kind of thing. Yeah, keyword win, right? Yeah. So that's the that's the thing. They, they are winning a lot of different like uh, local seats and stuff like that. But um, I don't know. It's a it's a grueling process kind of thing, right? So you're going to no, lose a lot. Sure, and yeah. and uh, it, it's very, very easy to overstate things kind of thing, right? So, it, I mean, if you're working on it and you're excited about it, you're going to be like, we're going to change the country. We're going to, you know, revolutionize Buffalo or something. That's like, okay. You probably have to think that way. Yeah, to, sure. To actually be motivated. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, so they're, they're sort of in a phase now where they're trying to find new, new avenues of excitement. And, uh, there's also sort of like a parallel thing happening of like, you know, circular firing squad kind of stuff, you know, where like they're, everyone is fighting each other about different things and, uh, sort of like, you know, the bureaucracy of DSA is like all the different people with different working groups and different locals and all this stuff are all fighting each other in different ways and getting angry and um that's just a standard it's, it's really it's it's sad in a certain way because it's just like it, you know we're talking about a very small organization i mean people think that like a hundred thousand people is a huge amount that's not really for a national organization that's not like uh it's really interesting and, and important for like socialism but it's not like you know, that would be like maybe a, a handful of churches or something like that kind of thing, you know, like mm. uh, it's a it's it's a tiny sort of movement in itself kind of thing. So, you know, all the internal debates and stuff like that are really, no matter what your opinions on them are, kind of more like we got to take a step back here and not really, you know, calm down a bit. I don't know. So, yeah, it's, it's sort of like a downward swing period. So that's just what's going to happen as it swings up. Then you're going to get a bunch of people. I mean, if it does, then... Yeah, uh, so buy the dip, people. <laughs> sure, yeah. Yeah, DSA is kind of like a compost pile. You throw all your trash in it, and it ferments or whatever, decomposes. But then it's fertile soil sure. or whatever. I, yeah, I don't know how exactly. compost piles work, but sure. something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the next one from Sami is, what is the scariest monster from movies or other fiction? So we have some emoji reacts to this. We got Cosby. We got, I think that's Hillary Clinton, a shark, a Donkey Kong, and an octopus. So not sure. <laughs> I guess Donkey Kong is supposed to be King Kong. Shark is supposed to be Jaws. I don't know what hmm. the other ones are. I'm not sure. Do you have any opinions? Uh, Scariest monster. Black Panther. <laughs> yeah yeah it's got to be black panther yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah i don't know i don't really yeah i'm gonna say it's that uh only a few people know what i'm talking about i think but like the enemy and uh, the villain in wonder woman 1984 no i don't know so okay the spanish guy pedro whatever all right that does sound pretty scary yeah not as scary as the black panther but getting there it's uh yeah yeah i don't know i'm not really into horror and stuff yeah me either i guess the aliens if i'm gonna give like a like the you know the old school aliens movies sure. yeah those are pretty pretty good mm -hmm. all right um 
So the next one's from Not Self. Uh, why listen to a podcast instead of an audiobook? Uh, well, they're different, you know. Yeah. Um, I like audiobooks, but it's it's reading a book, so like it's a really different thing. It's like someone has organized some thoughts and is trying to give you like a long form. Whether it's you know nonfiction or fiction, it's kind of the same thing. Like it's one person laying out some organized thinking basically um a podcast is often more than one person and it's unorganized thinking most of the time so like that is more like casual it's more fun um i think it's better if you just are like trying to relax and not think too much about it but audiobooks are good for you know if you're trying to learn something i guess not to say podcasts are bad at that there are some podcasts that are very good for that too but in general like the idea of like a podcast i'm thinking of like you know, just people goofing around. Yeah, I don't think I've re- listened to many audiobooks. I don't know. I've listened to, like, a lot of lectures and stuff and watched a lot of, like, lecture YouTubes, but pure audiobooks, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, I haven't listened to too many, but um, the, the ones I have, I thought were really good. I thought it was really useful. Sure. Uh, all right, so the next one we got, this is like a follow-up to the favorite canon lawyer question. It says, uh, this is from Caucasian with Blonde Mop, he, him. He says, uh, Don, who are your favorite saints? You get asked that quite a bit. I feel like we've had this question come up a few times, and I'm getting the impression that Catholics just like to trade saint cards, like baseball cards or pogs yeah. or something. Yeah, I guess there's like thousands of them and stuff, so it's just sure. there's a lot of like... Uh, um, deep lore i don't know i i I still check the saint of the day calendar and stuff like that all the different like there's enough uh, for each day i guess huh yeah and uh um like traditionally there'd be like feasts for different ones right so Mm. um there's certain ones that are like you know you can just check each day what the different ones are and it's funny because most of the names are unintelligible to english uh, speakers like me so um mm-hmm. though though i mean they're, they're from a lot of them are from like the middle ages right so it's like all it uh it'll be like i don't know it'd be like something like scott or something like that but it'll be like spelt like s-k-y-t-o <laughs> or something it's like very yeah. like they're they're not like names that we are familiar with at all yeah, kind of thing or wolf names. or something like yeah that. yeah yeah so uh, it'll be strange. And then I just kind of take a quick look at what their lives were like and stuff. And, uh, um, I don't know. I, I haven't, I'm not really sure that I have many off the top of my head, but like, uh, um, one of the feasts I like is, uh, um, Oh, St. Joseph, the worker, uh, mm-hmm. which is like the traditional, uh, uh, you know, labor day kind of thing, you know, like workers holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I like St. Francis, uh, because in my mind, he's like some Johnny Depp, uh, guy and like, uh, um, uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Like he's got his buddy, just go, they, they go around and like he's, his friends and stuff. And like, he just is, he seems sort of off the wall. He like talks to animals and all this kind of stuff. And like, yeah, just, uh, he, he always seems like a bit like a fool for God kind of thing. Like just like really off the top, you know, just like out of his mind kind of thing. But like, 
in a way that makes sense at the end of the day and wraps it up with religion and stuff. So I like that kind of stuff. Um, I like St. Francis too. Hard not to like him, to be honest. Yeah. And uh, the other thing is that I brought up a lot of times is that the desert fathers and like they're sort of funny sayings, which are like Cohen's almost. And uh, I really like that collection of uh, the sort of early desert saints and stuff where uh, people just, you know, left and stayed in the desert and uh, in Egypt and things like that. And uh, I don't know. I like those because they're little lessons and stuff. So they're neat. So, yeah. Uh, Do you want to make a million dollars? I just thought of a great idea. What's that? So, you know how saints have like those icons and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. NFT saint icons. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that exists in Russia or something like that. Yeah, yeah maybe. But, uh, yeah. Anyone want to run yeah. with that? That's fine. Fine <laughs> yeah. by me. Just give me a couple for free or something. I don't know. Well, maybe I shouldn't even no, I don't deal think with so. that dirty shit. Yeah, I no. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that. Like, that seems like exactly against islam or something yeah so give him the donald that's okay (laughs) sure yeah yeah we'll split it split the winnings um yeah anyway um next one is from born to ready uh how much of fossil records have been faked in order to undermine people's religious faith i knew someone that uh believed this kind of stuff growing up and uh that thought it was like dinosaur bones were like um uh Satan's like put there by Satan and stuff like that. I knew a few people that were sort of in that vein of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I mean, they were kids and stuff, so it's not like you know, uh, maybe they don't stupid really kids that now, or whatever. Yeah, so, anyways, but like, uh, um, I, I don't know, I always thought that was pretty funny, and like, uh, I don't know, I mean, I, it's sort of one of those things like, how would you know either way, kind of thing. I don't know, so I mean, if, if like the devil somehow planted bones or something like that or whatever or like if it was all fake kind of thing i don't know how you would you know am i supposed to take like like wouldn't wouldn't they look real or something like that like how would you know that they were fake like was satan mm. kind of half-assed like half-assing it by making them look fa- real it's but, just but chicken it was like bones. not good enough yeah yeah <laughs> so and uh so i'm not really sure what the logic on that is but like uh if you're just like a secular person or something like that like how much is it really gonna Either way, I mean, how is it going to actually affect your faith or something like that? Like, are you going to – I guess it did historically that a lot of people did become non-religious once uh, scientific advances proved a lot of different things that seem to contradict religion or something like that. But, like, uh, I, guess, I guess that's true in general. But, like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't seem like a slam dunk case to be, like, there's bones and stuff. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty easy to incorporate that. Like we've yeah. talked a little bit about my idea of like the gin wars and the dinosaurs, were the, <laughs> like sure. the battle mechs of the gin wars and stuff before yeah, yeah. humanity came. Makes yeah. perfect sense to me. I don't see what the real problem is, but sure, sure. Um, it, it, just the logic of this, though. Like, if you think about it, God put Satan on Earth to undermine people's religious faith in a certain kind of way, right? Like. You know what I mean? Like he let us, yeah. he, he let him in on, to hang out on earth knowing what his plans were. So to some extent, God did that. So if uh, maybe, maybe both can be true. Maybe the the devil then would put the fossil records and fake them to undermine people's faith. But it's actually like 
maybe the bones are still real, but he's like playing. I don't know. It's like a double cover up kind of thing. Sure, sure. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. Many layers to this uh, this grand conspiracy. Yeah, maybe it, like it's even different. Like you know, like he's just yeah, he's planting things that are like slightly wrong or something like that. Like there were dinosaurs and all that, but then there's like certain ones are fake. You know, like mm. there was no Stegosaurus or something like that, and it's just to to sort of mess with the scientists so they don't know what's real and fake and stuff. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it could go all kinds of ways. Uh, all right. So the next one is from CMA3000. How would your old Marxist selves react if they saw you now? And then we got a follow-up question from Sav uh, of the Firing Line 2 podcast, I should say. Uh, very fun podcast. Uh, how would your old Marxist slaves react if they saw you now? Uh-oh. Um, I don't know. I, I Yeah, I think that uh, in terms of religion, they'd probably be like, oh, you're just suffering from some sort of terrible delusion. Go back to the hospital or something like that. But like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and sometimes I feel like that. So I don't know. But like, uh, in terms of like, uh, I, I think, it, I think part of me, maybe like from 2008 or 2009 would be surprised that I'm friends with a bunch of people who uh, are politically like reformist or even I guess to some extent maybe uh, you know friends with you even though uh, we have different views on some stuff and all that kind of stuff you know what I mean like uh, uh, I had a period where uh, I was pretty uh, gung-ho about certain types of uh, Marxism and stuff so Mm -hmm. I thought that anything like that was just garbage or something like that so uh, in terms of like DSA and all that kind of stuff, I would have been completely shocked that that became popular. Um, it, it it really is strange. It'd be like to me, it, it'd be like uh, I I can't even think of like an equivalent. It'd be like if uh, um, I don't know, like if the Green Party in the United States had like four million members now or something like that kind of thing or whatever kind of thing. Like just just uh, just something that like you thought of as like a quaint little weird club kind of thing becoming a major thing or something. So, yeah. I mean, um, that's sort of how I felt when I saw like the impact font that used to be used on sure. something awful. And that just became like the common font usage on memes on like Facebook. People yeah, had yeah. no idea what something awful was. That's exactly the feeling that I think you're describing there. that. That's what, uh, yeah, sure. We haven't, we haven't mentioned it yet, but we should say RIP low tax. So yeah. Rest in peace go. to the King. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, anyways, so we probably won't do much about that, uh, in general, just cause it's a sad story and, uh, um, yeah, there's not much, uh, not I much to we, say really. Yeah. I, I feel the main thing that I have is like, oh, it really sucks. He has kids yeah, and the people that are around to take care. I don't know. The whole situation seems like a mess. So that just kind of sucks. Yeah. Uh, and yep. the Fragmaster video, I watched that and, uh, it was quite nice. I yeah. I thought really that was nice. really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had thought about re-registering or like getting my account back on something awful to like just say to Fragmaster or something like that, like, oh, this was nice. And then I thought, no, there's going to be like thousands of other posts there that are just like, you know, he's not going to read all of them. Right. And uh, there's not going to, you know, there's going to be like thousands of other posts that are just like uh, teen and orb and stuff. So I don't know. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways. Yeah, so, but, uh, so for me, for my old Marxist self, I, I don't really know. I think um, there was – depends on what particular old Marxist self you're talking about. I kind of like sure. 
was cycling through ideas pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. Trying to figure out how I felt about things and finding, I don't know, I was always like trying to approach things from different angles. I'm like, okay, this is how you think about it this way. Move on to the next thing. Move on to the next thing. Um, I think if they were being kind of critical and maybe judgmental, they would kind of see me as like having regressed a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't think they would care about the whole religious stuff too much, really. That is never something I've had like super strong feelings against or anything. Um, but maybe just like not being as like gung ho about political stuff and uh, having like the. Con- I had more conviction in the idea of like socialism than I do now. So. Sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'd be disappointed by that or something. Sure. But you don't uh, know what I've been through. Yeah, I know, I know. I was going to say, like, just tell them what the last 10 years were like. <laughs> and be like, yeah. okay, well, maybe, yeah. And then my old Marxist slaves, oh, I wish I could meet them again. I miss, miss them so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure we'd both just be overjoyed and in tears, just hugging each other. And Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like this is a misleading thing. I've only ever had one slave. So it's like it's not slaves. Mm. It's one. It's one guy. Yeah, or maybe and, uh, maybe you terms. had other slaves, yeah. but they weren't Marxist. You only had one slave that was Marxist. Sure. Yeah. Who, of course, had to go, being too dangerous. Yeah, 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 yeah. I deserve hundred percent loyalty. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So moving on. Uh. Next question is another one from Sami. Is Canada the ultimate boomer country? Hmm, I'm not sure what would why Canada would be the boomer country really. I I think it I I, I get what he's saying kind of I think is that like uh, I don't know I think I think uh, the sort of suburban model kind of thing of like uh, where you, know, you got the house and the car and uh, you know everyone lives in these uh, that sort of family unit kind of thing you know and uh got like sort of boring jobs or whatever and not much to it or something. I, I get that. Yeah, I think that that's true for Canada. Yeah. A lot of it, it does seem like a boomer country to me in a lot of ways. Um and uh but i think that we actually came up with that as like a thing. Like a, <laughs> oh yeah. I think it was like a Canadian researcher or something like that or someone that came up with the or maybe maybe I'm this is all retcon, but like uh, there's something like they wrote a book called something like Boom Bust and Echo, and it was like about the Boom Generation, which is like boomers, mm. and then the Bust Generation, which is like I guess Gen X and all that kind of stuff, and then uh, Echo, which is like the uh, millennials, I guess would be where it's like the kids of the boomers and stuff, mm-hmm. um. And uh, so I don't know if that's where it comes from or if that, like, boomer comes from. I mean, baby boom was before that, but, like, uh, um, isn't, so isn't I'm not that where sure. boomer comes from, baby boom? Like, the, it does, yeah. but, like, uh, so I think that's where it comes from. But, like, there's, there's something about that, like, generational stuff or whatever where they were influential and, in, like, kind of crystallizing that into something kind of thing instead of just uh, it being an abstract kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I still think it's kind of a tall order to say that 
like Canada or any other country other than the U.S. is like the ultimate boomer country. It, it seems really America centric. Yeah, I think it's I think it's like in terms of a cultural thing. If uh, in this, I think in in Sammy's question, it's sort of like comparing Canada to individual states or something like that, like Canada sure. as a state kind of thing, instead of uh, yeah, instead of like it's not like Canada versus America. It's more like Canada versus. Like would California, California is probably like a boomer state kind of thing or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. or like uh, in a lot of ways, or it used to be, I mean, but maybe not as much now because of all the white flight and all that kind of stuff. But like, uh, I don't know, like Florida is Florida a state. is the one that comes to mind for me. Yeah, sure. So, um, but you know, you got to think that like there's a million Canadians in the United States and a lot of them are boomers. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was thinking so, maybe Switzerland would be a good candidate, but mm-hmm. maybe it's not so much boomer country as like HOA country or something. They have so oh, many okay. like strict yeah. laws about like really minor yeah. kind of social niceties and stuff. Sure. Um, yeah. And Japan is also sort of like a boomer country in terms uh, of like the age cohort and stuff. Yeah. And also along the lines of that Switzerland stuff, you know. That, sure. Not as crazy about it, but definitely more so than like the U.S. I, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I guess uh, what would be the opposite of that would be like uh, uh, maybe some African countries and stuff where it's like fifty percent kids or something. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, Nigeria or whatever, whatever those countries are that are the next big thing. Yep. The Zoomer countries. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the next one's from Andy and he's saying, how many y'all like sex? So based on the reacts to this, we got five X's, six Haram emojis. Uh, not many of the people in our discord, I guess. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Yeah, There's other podcasts for that. We We may have the most asexual podcast, (laughs) Sure. which I, yeah, I'm proud of that. I think that's good. Sure. Yeah, okay. Um, Squalidozi says, who is and isn't gay in the Balkans? Uh, nobody's gay in the Balkans. Does not yeah. exist. Yeah, that's that's more like a myth, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we've ranked the Balkan groups before, haven't we? I'm not sure. I don't know. Oh, Leo uh, has has a, some input on here. He said Croat gay and Albania gay. Hmm. That seems fair. That seems fair. Aren't Albanians Muslim mostly? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, Actually, they are are uh, Muslim and also Catholic. Okay, okay. Yeah. So and, actually, uh, prime real estate for the, well, not really for the North American uh, Islamo-Catholic Emirate, but some sort of Islamo-Catholic Emirate. Sure. Yeah. Maybe that's why uh, Albanian socialism works so well. Mm-hmm. Just uh, there was like the natural. It was like rich soil. Yeah. So perfect mm-hmm. synthesis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Don Gel asks, "What's up with the Taliban?" I think they're just chilling, just doing their thing right now. This was asked yeah. in late June. Again, so. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of things have happened since then. And yeah. We did a long episode on it and stuff. So. That um, one uh, Taliban guy that was on Twitter doing all the epic meme stuff seems to have disappeared. So I don't uh, know what's up with that. 
Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I got a fundraising email from a Catholic charity uh, talking about Afghanistan. And uh, they said a remote region of Afghanistan. I didn't click through. uh, But uh, I kept thinking, like, so are they, like, under the aegis of the Taliban? Like, you know what I mean? Is it, like... Or is it like one of the small regions that's not under their control or something like that? Like, I was trying to think of like, I don't know, like there, there's certain people that like, you know, are, are they like nuns there or something? Like, are right. they, are they like, uh, also like remote describing a part of Afghanistan is remote. Like if, if you're kind of going by like Canadian or American standards, that's like the next town, you know, sure. like everything is remote, but there are some places that it's like, you're not getting there without like a 12 week journey on a donkey up a mountain sure. or something, you know? Well, I was trying to think if it's like, I was like, are there still spots like the Pangea or something like that where like, are there still things like that where like they're not under Taliban control or like, or, or is it like they allow aid workers and stuff? And, and if then it's kind of like, I don't know, like how, what percentage of those aid workers are spies and stuff like that. I don't know. Like you start mm-hmm. to think about that kind of stuff. It's like, uh, you know, how many of those nuns uh, became nuns in the past year or something? Like, I don't know. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, like Blackwater's training nuns in some <laughs> camp out there yeah, yeah. with, like, a bunch of, like, church donation money. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? That's the kind of thing where, like, you know, that's a different breed of human or something like that, like a saint or something. Like, just being like, yeah. I'm going to go off in the middle of a, I don't know. So, yeah. I don't know. And, Yeah whatever so <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah all right um so the next one is from gerald uh well ironic username on discord but gerald as we know uh were the anti-postmodernism people right um so i'm thinking that this is talking about people who i, I mean jordan peterson is the first name that comes to mind but there are better people i think on that sort of angle uh, but essentially the idea that like postmodernism like eroded the cultural like the culture or something and created like this monoculture that's corporate dominated and all this kind of stuff. That seems like kind of off base and doesn't really line up with the facts in my view. So I tend to kind of not really agree with this. I think there are some some uh more valid sort of criticisms of specific like postmodernists um yeah you know like the the french people that were all about like lowering the age of consent or eliminating it and all that kind of stuff and how mm-hmm. some of them were supported by uh ned and cia and these types of things because they sort of were like not aligned with like communist parties and stuff but they were even though they were like self-professed communists or revolutionaries or socialists or whatever the case and uh but they just weren't aligned with like uh the organized labor movements and stuff so that was something that um our governments saw as useful to promote so that doesn't necessarily mean that their theories are bad or tainted or that they're just inherently like agents or something like that uh but it's something that's worth understanding about the you know where they come from historically yeah i think that the question is probably more about like uh, identity politics gone wild kind of stuff you know Mm -hmm. like uh, all the different like uh not so much like the culture 
as a whole, but sort of the fact that like, uh, you know, this, you've got like, uh, you know, this, this shift from class issues in general to, uh, you know, politics around gender and, uh, race and all this kind of stuff. Maybe I think that's part of it. And, uh, um, and I, I would say like five years ago or so, I thought, or six or seven, I thought like, I thought identity politics was great. And I thought that like the sort of the trend in the United States around identity politics was uh, fine and everything was, you know, there was no problems there. I thought basically, I thought that people complaining about it was just all under the campus crazies banner of conservatives and, and leftists and stuff that just like playing that kind of angle kind of thing yeah and it turned out you were and, completely correct <laughs> yeah i think i think that like uh yeah the what has happened is uh, it did it was taken up by uh liberals as like a bludgeon to uh you know silence people that uh um you know disagree with them and stuff like that and and uh as a very easy tool to reward people or uh, deny them what they want and uh, based on you know their relation to capital and all that kind of stuff doesn't make the theories wrong as you said kind of thing but it is like uh, it was obviously sort of weaponized in a certain way to just create a, a very poisonous debate around it and uh, mm-hmm. it gave both you know, the right wing and the liberal wing or whatever you want to call it uh, exactly what they wanted you know in, yeah and sort yeah. of the the more substantial or more uh, I, I don't know, like the better aspects of those ideas get kind of submerged under this like culture war stuff that only serves uh, the bad guys. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that the reasons why you saw that shift away in the long term from these mass political parties based around one issue or like not one issue, but like, you know, class issues in general. Um, the reason why you saw a shift away from that uh, made complete sense uh, if you sort of track each step of the process, like the fact that you uh, you had like a Black Panthers and all these other black organizations and stuff uh, to react against the fact that the mainstream of these movements tended to be pretty bad on these issues in different ways. And you had like the mainstream labor that, uh, you know, was in, in league with racist policies a lot of the time. And you had mainstream political parties that uh, were not uh, delivering hundred percent on what they said they were going to. And you saw that with feminism as well, where, you know, you had this cultural uh, revolution with feminism uh, in the sixties and seventies and stuff where uh, women wanted to organize separately to some extent to achieve certain gains and to, uh, that made complete sense to me. I I don't see where that was wrong. You can kind of say, well, it went in a weird direction or something, but like, I mean, you could say that about socialism too. So it's not like, you know, like, uh, you can't really look back to socialism in general and say that everything associated with it turned out great kind of thing, you know? So like, uh, sure. Even if you're, even if you're like a big champion of stuff, like saying, well, it was really bad that the Soviet union collapsed and all that kind of stuff. I think that's fine. Most people would even agree with that. I think maybe to some extent, but like, uh, uh, on the left at least, but like to then, you know, there's this strange kind of, I don't know, gloss that's being put over a lot of that stuff where it's like, well, you know, you know, as if we have to choose between identity politics and whether the Soviet Union is resurrected or something like that. I don't know. So, Mm -hmm. um, 
don't know. It's a, it's a strange uh, debate. I don't know. So, but I do want to like get back more into reading about like anti-racist stuff and feminist stuff and that too. I want to read more about it in the future because like, uh, um, I shouldn't let people that have like dumb or aggressive opinions and stuff kind of define what I believe kind of thing, you know? So I don't know. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's so true today, maybe more than it ever has been because it's so easy to, to just interact with that kind of stuff. You know, all you got to do is like open your phone and there's a bunch of people screaming at you about how evil you are for this or that, you know, and it's, uh, it's very easy to get sucked into that. You see that all the time if you're on Twitter sure. in this kind of political stuff, like, yeah, people are basically not really thinking about anything except what this imagined enemy of theirs is thinking and how they're they're the opposite of that. Sure. Yeah, it, it, a lot of people seem to be going off the deep end with this kind of stuff in in, in all the different types of directions. Like, uh, even just uh, you know, there is this strange thing with Twitter where like, uh, or social media in general, where like people feel like they're little spokespeople or something mm-hmm. kind of thing just like thousands of people that are spokespeople for things and uh like you saw this with like the kyle rittenhouse stuff you know like where everyone had to like you just saw thousands of people just basically lining up saying like what their opinions were about different things in different ways uh in general kind of thing you know just being like do you believe that the system can be reformed at this point or something you know stuff like that just like I don't even know who that's for. Like, I don't know. Do they know a lot of people they disagree with or something like that? I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. So it ends up being pretty, it comes off as cheap to me at this point. A lot of that stuff back and forth. It just, uh, I, I, I can't, I can't understand how people are, uh, dwelling on it in different ways. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean, don't argue with the shadow people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why don't we wrap up there for, uh, today? And then, uh, sure. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully uh, you like the sound of our plans for the future that we outlined in the beginning of the episode. Again, um, I'm really welcoming feedback. So positive or negative, let us know what your thoughts are on that kind of thing. And uh, thanks mm. for listening. If you want a weekly episode of You Can't Win, you can subscribe to our Patreon. You'll get that for $5, as well as access to our Discord. And we don't plan on changing that uh, at any point, by by the way. That's kind of what we're going to stick with for the time being. And uh, if you want to send us questions anonymously, you can do that by going to the Twitter account at You Can't Win Pod, and you'll find a link to the Curious Cat pin there. Um, Although I do think we're going to stick with Discord questions for a while, so if you really want to make sure that we answer your question, you need to submit that through the Discord. Uh, So yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you again next time. Yep, thanks guys. Bye.